Hello, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya. Welcome to podcast number 66. Lucky 66. Uh, my guest for the Lucky Podcast is Greta Ray. Now, we recorded this podcast last week via Zoom, and I don't want to be one of those people that craps on about sound quality, but we did record it via Zoom, so it's just going to sound a little bit different to the normal podcast vibe. Um, Greta Ray, she has a new single out called Human and has just announced her debut album, Begin to Look Around, which is set for release August 27th. Very, very exciting. Greta and I have a lovely chat about songwriting, co-writing and production, her passion for pop music and how her life changed when she started going on tour while she was still in high school, um, which is something I can definitely relate to. Greta's strange show experience was illustrated by my amazing friend Hannah. Hannah plays in the band All Our Exes Live in Texas, as well as her solo project Baby Velvet and she is an incredibly gifted artist. You can check out more of her work on Instagram at Hannah Marjorie Illustration. Go check it out now. She's amazing. Rate and subscribe to the podcast and leave me a comment or message if you want to. Uh, here it is. Hearsay podcast number 66 with Greta Ray. I'm really excited. So you've got the second part of your second duology coming out. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about it? Where are you at with your um <laughs> your feeling scale of releasing music? Uh, I am feeling great about it. Um, the song that is coming out um, on the second duology that people have not heard yet is one that I've been wanting to share with people for a really Long time. I mean, I do feel like a lot of the new songs I've been wanting to share with people for a long time. But um, th- those sessions were so special. And I think there's just like this magic that, about the fact that it was the first time that I was really co-writing. And when we wrote Human, I was in a really good spot with it. And so I think that makes the songs for me kind of stand the test of time and make me still totally. really excited to show people because I just remembered the feeling of when we were when we created the song so well. That's awesome. Well, I I really want to go back to like I really obviously want to talk a lot about like your co-writing and your the songs that you're putting out now. But can we go back to like when you were little? Do you remember um being a re- surrounded by music a lot when you were young? Do you remember av- ever having a moment where you were like this is it I want to be a singer? Or was <laughs> it just sort of like a gradual progression? I think it was just always this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's funny if, like, you ask, do you have any memory of being surrounded by music? I don't have a memory that doesn't involve being surrounded by music. Um, So your parents are big music fans? Yeah. My mum is a really avid music listener and she taught me how to play guitar and she's, like, always singing and always showing me wonderful things and she listens to, like, so many podcasts about music so she, yeah, very connected to it in that regard. And my dad, um, he has like a, well, I mean, on my dad's side of the family, that extended family, all of my cousins and like my aunties and uncles, like everyone's just quite musical. Um, oh, wow. And so, yeah, we're a bit 
where <laughs> we sing a lot when we're together. It's really hilarious. Like when I love that. Thank you. <laughs> I do too. But, but it's like it's one of those families, you know. And like when a cousin, but like we all have like a big family catch up, and like there's a cousin that brings a new boyfriend or girlfriend. And we all sing Grace at the table. This poor person is just like, what is going on right now? <laughs> Why are they singing in like four-part harmony? What's happening? This is really creepy. No. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I have this really vivid memory that I've, I've never spoken about. My family, where our last name is Vogel, which in German, Vogel means bird. Mm. And um, we used to sing this song. And at the end of the song, we used to go peep, 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 because that's like tweet, tweet, tweet. Wir haben uns alle lieb, which means we all love each other. Oh. <laughs> and then guten Appetit. So we, I can relate. We're not religious or anything, but we had this real like communal, beautiful thing that we did yeah. before we ate. And it really made you into it. Like it was such a beautiful like family moment. So I can, I can really picture your family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Yeah, it's so, so special. Beautiful. I have so many, like, as I get older as well, I become more, like, increasingly grateful for the fact that we do that. And, yeah, um, yeah I, I, last Christmas, um, we've, like, I made, I think I made people sing it again so I could Aww. film it. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I so was cute. like, I just really think it's important that they're documented now. <laughs> yeah, and um, you do four-part yeah. harmonies? I mean, it's not, I said four before, my auntie and uncle would be displeased if they heard me say that. It's probably more like eight or something. Everyone just kind of <laughs> does like whatever harmony they feel Yeah. Um, with my grandpa, like the beautiful like bass tone, like just kind of oh. holding everyone. Yeah. So those kind of memories, very prominent. Yes. Um, so that was kind of my childhood and continues to be my life. But also like when I was younger, I was in a community choir from when I was five to 18. So I was like oh. training as a singer from the moment that I could pretty much. Um, and yeah, just listening to so much music. Uh, drove down the Great Ocean Road a lot as a kid. Lots yeah. of music in the car. What were the main stick out records? Um, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, Missy Higgins, oh. Paul Simon, um, Colin Hay. Oh, all of those people have such like specific voices. And I think all of those people are really easy to sing along with. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, uh, I am very grateful for the fact that music like holds so much memory as well and yeah. how you can be in a specific place and put on a song and then be like, oh my gosh, I'll remember when, you know, we were doing this or I was with this person or this happened or and you just get taken right back to that moment. Totally. So, yeah, I grew up on like proper singer-songwriter legends. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like my background. Yeah, and so you were just like this is, this is what I want to do because it's my life. Yeah, I just don't really know if there was much else. <laughs> but like <laughs> I felt that passionate about and also like, not only was I singing all the time, but I, as soon as there was like an instrument in front of me before I even knew how to play it, I just kind of like, there was a keyboard that kind of got dropped around at our house and I was going to start playing it, I think, but I just saw it and I was like, I'm just going to like fiddle around with it. And as soon as I like was making noise on it, I was writing a song. It just seemed like, well, that's what you do. Like you hear songs all the time. So I'm going to make some up now. And then I just got addicted to it from that point forward and then I actually started to properly learn the instruments which only meant that I wrote more music and it was just like this 
yeah, really obsessive hobby that I had for so long before it became something that was like a craft that I was, you know, trying to better. Yeah, I was going to say, because I was reading an article where you'd said um, that music was a tool for procrastination when you were younger. I was wondering <laughs> if if that's still something that you do or if yeah. it's now it's just like it's like more of a, a compulsion or more like a something that you have to do because it's your job or... I mean, I definitely have like a slightly different relationship with it now because it is my work. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, but what's really important is that I'm still having um, like a musical education that feels like it's outside of my artist project. Like inevitably it will feed the artist project. But I think going into being inspired or trying to soak up other people's work so you can learn something and being like, oh, this is for work. Like this is for the thing. Like I think that it's better when you consider it in a way that it's like, this is actually for my person. I'm going to take it in just as like my human self, whatever portion I decide to feed into the artist project. then that's great. Like I'm always going to want to make that like the artist project is so much of me and so much of who I am, but also like, especially during lockdown last year when we had that additional time and I think musicians were pretty stressed with like, Oh, I can't go and play shows. Like, so what is this now? What's my relationship with it? my main thing was trying to rediscover and solidify my relationship with creativity outside of the Greta Ray project because I think that ultimately it will make the work stronger if as a just person, me, Greta, I have that with it that feels like I can be inspired and learn stuff not with the kind of like, oh, people are going to hear this or I'm going to talk to people about this or I'm going to tell my management about this or whatever. Like just let it grow and brew and flourish in that private space and then if it feeds into that space which inevitably it will eventually then that will be like an actual thing if that makes sense so what kind of things were you doing in lockdown yeah um i was doing a lot of creative writing i did the do you know the artist's way by julia cameron yeah i've done that yeah yeah. Finally got to do that properly. The only thing that was a bit of a struggle were the artist dates because it was like, I guess I'll go to the creek again. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the only place that I can go. I can't totally. go to galleries or anything. <laughs> um, so I had to get a bit, you know, think outside of the box with those. But um, yeah, I was doing the artist's way. I was actually studying. I did a subject. I did academic and professional communications at like online oh, uni, wow. and which was like so good because I was a very studious person in high school. And then, you know, I don't go to uni now because I don't have the time to do like a full course with like everything that we have planned for the next little while. Yeah. Um, so you just did like a one-off subject? Yeah. Oh, I think That's a lot cool of us you can did, do that. actually. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. A lot of us, I think we're a bit like, oh, I guess I could like go and do this thing now because, you know, you want to keep feeding, like you want to keep learning. And there was so much learning that happened during that time. Um, did that, was painting, doing the like paint class. Like, like my friends and I would paint over Zoom and then just like. Oh, that's so cute. That <laughs> <laughs> so was good. Um, I, did, I used to be like this really weird child that was like obsessed with crocheting things. And I just would carry around this bag of like crocheted things as like a 10 year old it was strange um so I just <laughs> re-explored that again and I made all these right. posters yeah I was doing like a lot of just artsy stuff and of course I was still writing music and like the the good thing about lockdown such a weird sentence such a privileged sentence to say the good thing about lockdown I know 
that um, I had to learn how to record my own vocals, which was something that I'd been wanting to do for a really long time. Um, but that situation kind of forced you to just learn. What did you, did you use like Logic or, or what were you using? I was just using GarageBand, to be honest. I nearly did download the actual proper programs, which I'm sure are not yeah. too, like, I'm just, I'm sure they're pretty similar, but. Um, GarageBand is actually so similar to Logic. Yeah. <laughs> if you know one, you probably know the other. So I did that. It was mainly just so I could bounce out vocal stems to producers that I was working with, like over Zoom, and then they could take that and then do whatever they, yeah. It was really good. Actually, the song that I released was kind of towards the end of last year. It was in collaboration with my friend Japanese Wallpaper. Um, yeah. Called Better. That's a beautiful song. Yeah. Thank you. I comped and recorded the vocals. Um, <laughs> that's in my room. <laughs> I feel like that's such an achievement. I remember learning how to record stuff at home, but I remember like really being so excited to learn how to use MIDI and like it's such a, a personal achievement to to actually learn how to do things by yourself and not have to rely on other people. Totally. Um, are you open to like learning more about maybe maybe like producing your own stuff one day or? Yeah, I would. I would really love to. I mean, I um, I was executive producing like all of the new music of mine that is coming out this year. I mean, I feel like I have learned a lot about it just by watching people like that I've been working with. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would love to learn how to do it properly. And I, I should. You will. I think it's, it's very empowering to do it yourself. Um, and I reckon you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's go back to, so you've started singing in a choir. You started writing songs immediately. You're playing guitar. You learned keyboards or you learned piano. Um, what kind of songs were you writing? Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Um, no, I'm literally, I was just writing the songs that I'm writing now, but just like the seven-year-old burden. <laughs> the, just the same cute. daydreamy, lovey-dovey. Um, yeah, just like I think it was definitely, uh, I don't know, I just lived up inside of my head as a kid and imagined like one day getting to be someone that could prance around the stage and sing my songs and have a crowd there and have a good time and I would you know think about music videos and things like that so I think a lot of the songs that I wrote for a time um Mm. were songs that I just that kind of sounded a lot like what I would have been listening to I think probably at that point as well when I was about nine or ten it's like that's when you know Taylor Swift was yeah, mm. just fearless was out. Everyone's lives were changing. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I um, definitely that was a moment for sure where I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You were riding I that mean, wave hard. <laughs> I, I very, very um, loved it. So I think that, and like also Miley Cyrus. You know, as a kid, she was like hugely influential, and just those kind of artists. Mm. Like the ones that you find yourself as a kid and then you have this like yes. special thing with because it's like that's the – I love all of the artists that like my parents showed me so much. But, of course, when you're younger and you tune into those and then you create your own thing and association with that artist that no one else gave to you, then totally. that is really special. And so I was watching a lot of what those girls were doing and, um, yeah, just trying to emulate that energy basically in that's like the awesome. songs that I was writing. 
which was good. It taught me a lot, for sure. Yeah. Well, powerful women. It's always good to have them around. It's so good to have them around. Oh, my goodness. So when you were writing those songs, were you recording or like or keeping a record of them? In terms of like documenting them, I still have the first ever songbook that I ever had. Uh, I'm very like notebooks. I'm very religious about having to record all of them in a handwritten notebook. So I have many, many. Yeah. Um, so that. And in terms of actually recording them, I had a couple of experiences as a kid or like a tween, I suppose, um, where I was going into studios just to record like one song and then getting it on the CD. Um, that was the thing still. Um, and then when I was like 14, 14 or 15, that was actually like the first ever time that I put something up on Unearthed when I was like tiny baby um and yeah the songs were they were not ready really but (laughs) yeah so I think I recorded something around that time when you were 16 you started working with Josh Barber yes I mean when I look back at myself as a 16 year old I just think I was so young when you look back at that 16 year old and you look at like at working with a producer how do you feel about that? Do you feel like grateful or do you feel like what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> or like, <laughs> how do you feel about that moment? Um, mainly really grateful. Um, yeah. I think increasingly grateful actually, just because Josh was the most perfect person that I could have worked with at that point, you know, and it wasn't just because we were making music together that we both really loved and that we had similar influences and that we just like got along like a house on fire instantly. I think it was because at that age I could have very easily been put in the room with the wrong dude, you know, just even if they were enthusiastic and passionate to the point where they didn't recognize the fact that they were like talking too much or like not letting Mm. me have a say, like those kind of things, because there is so much space made in those environments for men because it is the man's world in the music industry, mm-hmm. even just little things like that. And when you're a girl and a young girl, especially who's inexperienced, and I don't, I didn't know the first thing about producing. Of course, I was willing to make space, but Josh yeah. was able to bring out this confidence in me because I had such passion for the songs that I had brought in and written fully by myself. And he was like, I know you think you don't know how you want these songs to sound, but you do. You've grown up listening to these records you put in all this love into these songs, you will know, you just have to trust your gut and you just have to tell me what you want and you will get the final say in everything. And that's beautiful. So amazing. Yeah. But the more that I speak to young upcoming female artists and they're trying to find their feet and stuff, the more that I realize that I think that it is still difficult to kind of, especially in that time in your life when you're so young and you're trying to find your voice, not just in your artist project, but also just like as a human being, (laughs) you know, like you've got no um, idea. You're just a baby. You're just a little baby. So I think, (laughs) yeah, it was, um, I, I just feel really grateful for that. Yeah. That sounds really nice. It definitely set me up for, well, it made me want to, it made me really motivated and want to bring in all the ideas that I could and work really hard and make this great body of work together. And we did. And but it also set me up for every other session that I would walk into with every other producer, either male or female or anyone, yeah. in terms of just knowing that if it was a session for my artist project, that I was going to have the final say. Of course, you need to be open-minded and considerate of other people's ideas and contributions and learn and know that you're not always going to be headed in the right direction creatively mm. and someone else can contribute the better idea. 
-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, this is your thing that you're making for your music. So it is important that you that you feel like you can express your voice in those environments. So I was really lucky and I made the EP that I made is a really accurate snapshot of me at 16. Um, And yeah, and it's it was you can't recreate also the music that you make when there's no eyes on the project yet. You know, like, and that was before oh, yeah. Drive or anything. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I love that that is just this little... It's an innocence. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, you you and I sound like we had such different starts to music. Like, I I think when I was 16, I just started playing in, like, a, like, sort of, like, power punky pop band and... I was so shy and I was also in a group and my brother was in the band with me. But for you, it sounds like you were sort of thrown into situations by yourself, um, which is both empowering and terrifying. Um, (laughs) My formative years are when I was 16, 17, 18. I was just like playing in pubs. What Mm -hmm. are your memories of, of 16, 17? I mean, you like you won an enormous award in those years, but what was your vibe in those like really early years? Um, around that time, like after we had finished recording elsewhere, um, there was a little bit of time before we actually released it because I didn't have like management at that point or anything. I used to play at the workers club on Sundays, like little support slots. Um, my first gig was a So Far Sounds gig. Um, I played at Sundelva Morning, that beautiful venue in Clifton Hill. Um, yeah, just kind of like when I could and when I was asked and it was just me and my guitar and sometimes my friend Connor would play with me. Um, and it was really good because even if not many people were watching, it just gives you the experience of being on stage and going to those venues and like talking to the sound guy and setting up and all that stuff. Yes. And yeah, but that was like... All that stuff is so important. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm really lucky that I, I, I got to have that because pretty much as soon as um, the song that I wrote called Drive kind of came out into the world, I, I definitely felt like everything was more planned, you know, and it yeah. wasn't the, the, the spontaneity of just like, I might just pop down here and play this gig. Like that I couldn't really do that. I mean, also I was in the thick of like, exam prep at that point oh my god (laughs) what a crazy time for you that must have been it was pretty hectic um Mm. but I was also you know I was surrounded by a really good community of people I was working with Charlotte Abrams who was wonderful I have really supportive parents I was on tour with Japanese wallpaper and like I was his backing vocalist and keys player in his band and I also had like a really great a um, lot of teachers at my high school who were really understanding and I had chosen subjects that would serve what I was doing, um, you know. Right. So I, it was it was pretty, yeah, yes. Um, Princess Hill was very, had a really wonderful arts program. Um, awesome. So I was doing a lot of things that I could, yeah, relate to that, um, which was good. Don't you think it's also really important to play in someone else's band and ride that? train for a little while and just realize like the ins and outs that when you're not like responsible for getting an audience in a room or not responsible for the songwriting or any of that stuff I found that so valuable as well to learn so much about what to do when you are in that position yeah could not have said it better 100% it's really there was so much that I didn't know or understand like 
I mean, how could I've never had, I hadn't had the experience at the time, but like even just using in-ears, like I never ever done that. And that was something that I was doing in Gab's band and learning how to communicate with the other members of the band and how long does the sound check take and what hotel do we need to be at at what time and what time's lobby call. And that tour that we did for him was so insane in the sense that like (laughs) I would spend the days on tour in the hotel writing literature essays that were due that week and I would go and do sound check and I'll come back to the hotel while the band stayed there, finish the essay, send the essay, walk back down to the venue, play the show to 500 people and then go to bed and then get up at four to get on a plane and then go to school. That's (laughs) fucked. (laughs) But how amazing, how resilient that you must have been to like to do that that age as well pretty invincible too like the pressure that gets put on kids in year 12 is outrageous you know and so like I don't know I think back to that and I'm like yeah they are all little superhumans in year 12 hey just like you know aside from everything that I was doing like everyone that was like yeah I don't know it's a really interesting experience to go through with obviously so many of your friends and you go through it as this like year level together and like I have so many wonderful memories from that time so glad that I got that you know like there were a lot of very distracting things happening but I was so adamant that I wanted I wanted to do well and I wanted to be a part of like properly wrapping that time up in my life you know and I just like I have this really beautifully vivid memory of being in the photography studio in year 12 and it was like seven o'clock at night and we were all still there doing like folio work it was me and like five other friends and then someone put on this song and we all just like without saying anything all just started like dancing chaotically we were just like (laughs) I'm so tired (laughs) that's a cute memory do you remember what song it was no idea it was just it was an insane time but like so nice <laughs> just, uh, yeah. yeah um well can we talk a bit about the song that you're just about to release yes um very exciting time it's called human mm-hmm. and it's um the other half of the duology with passion so you're saying it was a really beautiful experience writing the song and you're really excited to get it out there yeah. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about the actual song? Yes. Um, well, I was very loved up at the time. I'd had a very wonderful weekend away with my partner at the time. And I had been down the coast. There's a lot of like beautiful natural imagery, imagery in my head of beaches mm. and trees and colours and I was just a very happy little bean at the time. And then I went to Sydney and um, I had plans to like do some writing there. Um, And I went and played this gig with my friend Ned. And at the same gig, it was like the little showcase. Um, This artist called Charlie got up and started to perform and she was like a full pop artist. And I think I was still like making that genre shift. Like I knew that I was, I'd been writing pop music, but I was still learning how to do it. And it's a totally, I feel like it's a very different experience. So you went kind of from like finger picky, beautiful, like fo- more folky music to pop. I'm just going to say that to the listeners who don't know. Yeah. Um, it was more, I mean, I think I was always, like I've always been quite inspired by pop, but I got really nerdy about it over the past couple mm. of years and was like, I, I don't know. I think also the, what can be a challenge growing up with a lot of like, you know, in inverted commas, like indie 
folky tunes is there is this, well, I, I had the experience of probably being pretty narrow-minded for a time about music genres because I was like, I only listened to like these artists and like I really dismissed pop music. And it was actually Gab's, it was Japanese wallpaper's music that made me go, oh, actually, A, it's really challenging to write and really interesting to try and achieve that balance of like interesting things but also catchy and then I think just also it being moving and emotional as well. Gab has this song called Between Friends and I, it just totally opened my mind to the world of pop music. And I was like, I could still do what I'm doing and write the songs that are deep and meaningful with big lyrics and I can have that wonderful, shiny, interesting production that's expansive and endemic and lush and like how fun would that yeah, be? Man. So, yeah. I mean, a good song's <laughs> a good song regardless of, of what production it has exactly and this girl that was singing at this showcase charlie was singing a song of hers it's out now um it came out like a couple of months ago called hard for me and she was singing it and the look on her face she was so you could tell she was like so in love with the song and it was it was about that feeling that i was in at the time that just like really loved up pure beautiful and she was just letting it consume her and embracing it in the song and i was just staring at her like I would have looked so stupid. Like I was just like so heart eyed. I was like, I love oh, her. Oh my God. You're like that emoji. I was like the exact <laughs> emoji. And then I like didn't, I'd only met her that day. And I went up to her and I was like, I have just had goosebumps like ever since you played that last song. And I really need to hear it again. Could you please send me the demo? And so she sent me the demo and then I went into a writing session with um, Ned and Robbie, who has been producing a lot of my new music. And I was like, I really, I was like, I have to write a song that makes people feel the way that Charlie's songs just made me feel. Like I have to do it. We're doing it today. And we had that. We had like Casey Musgraves record and like a lot of Katy Perry songs, like (laughs) Hummingbird Heartbeat (laughs) by Katy Perry. Oh, mm, that energy, just like that unashamedly, I, <laughs> I'm in love and I want to sing about it. Just like, yeah. it's before so Before it all went to hell. <laughs> before it went to hell. Exactly. Exactly. And you write your next song about that. <laughs> oh, my God. But like quite literally, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't even express to you how accurate that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, that was a joke. But I'm no, very okay. sorry that that's what happened. No, it's so fine because we got, that's the thing, you get you get to capture when it's great, you capture when it's shit, and then ultimately yeah. it's all awesome. So I'm really glad that we got to where we got to with yeah. human and that people get to hear it and that's going to have a life yeah. now. Ooh. That is really exciting. And I should just point out too that like your concept of duology, it's kind of like a double A side or something like they like they used to put out and they're thematically linked. Yeah. And so so this one thematically links to your song Passion mm-hmm. um, and the one before that was Bigger Than Me and Ready Made. Yes. So these songs are all going to end up on an album. The album's coming out in August. Do you think that you'll have another duology before the album or is it it's kind of these ones? There will be another duology before the oh, album. I, yes. I mean, there is the collection of the duologies, but I mean, I'm just so excited that I can talk about it as an album now because I, I love, know. I mean, it's just been so long, even though I think everyone kind of knew that I was doing it. And I definitely said that that was what I was writing it for in the past. But like, we just wanted to find a way to be able to put this new music out in a way that felt 
um, I don't know, just like it could tell the the story of the songs and also just it's very much a coming of age record, which is kind of inevitable, I think, when you start writing it at 19 and finish it at of 21. Course. So it captured a lot of lessons learned, which came from changing my mind about things, which is captured in the duologies, you know, different perspectives. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to really own that and to celebrate it as well um, on the record, because I think that there's a lot of pressure. I don't know. I feel like I watched my, I've watched my friends go through it. I'm watching my younger sister go through it like this. You have to know where you're going to be like as soon as you mm. step out of high school. Like you got to know what you want to do. You got to know what direction yeah. you're headed in, like or who so you're going to be with. Or who you've, it's so, yeah. And I, I don't know. I think that the most exciting thing that could have happened in my life was the fact that I just had so many ideas about certain things turned on their heads, you know, like over the past couple yeah. of years and, and just being like, Oh, actually I, where do like, what environment do I thrive in? What kind of relationship am I my best self in? Like, and just really learning what serves you. I think it's really cool to have like on record kind of go, Oh, I might've been wrong about that. You know, I don't think there's many people that have that kind of self-reflection out there. I think the, the idea is really lovely and encouraging to other younger women that are figuring stuff out. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it definitely feels like, cause obviously it's not like, you know, you get to the final track on the record and be like, and now I know everything and I have arrived. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm 23 I know and I've figured it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one ever feels like that. And, no. you know, I, I know that I can look back on my 21-year-old self and be like, oh, man, you know, that was two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you're going to have a million epiphanies and that's really exciting. And you'll probably make records of all the epiphanies and that's really cool as well. I think that's just the greatest thing about music, um, whether you're listening to it or writing it, is that there's always that message and the then following message of like, and remember you're not alone in this feeling because everybody yeah. else experiences it. And um, yeah, I think writing this record, you know, I when I was 12 and people were actually like, right, so this songwriting thing is something you're, you're taking quite seriously. How do you feel about it? Like something that I would always say at that age was, oh, it's just like really therapeutic for me, you know, like as a yeah. tiny little baby. And it's like, babe, you don't actually know what yeah. therapeutic means, but that's cute. <laughs> you know, like I you get what you mean. spell therapeutic. <laughs> like, yes, literally. And so <laughs> I feel like it was just really amazing, like having said that, you know, 10 years ago and spoken it into existence because when I was writing these songs, I was like, oh my gosh, no, it really is the net beneath me. Like music is yes. just, I am so lucky that I can feel so broken and then have the privilege of coming into a space with someone else, have them be amazingly like accepting to listen to what emotions I have to contribute into that space. And then for both of us to have like to be able to, in, to turn it into something and to make it, to make a sound out of that feeling. And like, yeah, yeah something it's from really nothing. It's amazing. Exactly. Oh, that's always the thing at the end of the day. It's like, remember at the start of the day when this didn't exist? <laughs> yeah. So good. I love that too. I love that yeah. too. What about, so you've got 15 songs on the album. Yes. That is so many songs. Like I'm I'm <laughs> writing an album at the moment and I've got nine. I'm like, is that enough? I think I'm, I'm, that might be me done. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. 15's a lot. That's a lot of work. 
Thanks. Yeah, I mean. You should be so proud of that. Thank you. I, yeah, I wrote a lot and I just, like all of the songs that ended up making it onto the record all have a different emotion to them. Even though I'm coupling them up, you know, a lot of the time within these duologies, I, I don't really feel like, you know, I, I just do feel like they all cover a different emotion that I moved through over the years that I was writing this album and everything yeah. that we put on there to me felt relevant. You know, there are songs about like the deepest, most lonely heartbreak. Then there's the song of really realizing how good that is for you ultimately and rediscovering a sense of independence. And then there's the songs about, you know, confiding in in friendships and and learning from others around you and kind of you know this idea of looking around which is the name of the album begin to look around and just how spectacular that feels when those moments start to land and you're like oh this is exactly what's supposed to be happening and is exactly where I need to be right now Mm. and so yeah I think that all the, the tracks on this very big album felt to me like they were relevant and I just love records so much and we are in a very strange time in terms of you know how music is getting digested by people right now our listening culture is so messed up (laughs) (laughs) I mean I find it intriguing I think that like yeah it's it's a weird time you know this whole thing of like here's a snippet of the song and then a couple of weeks later it's out you know that's not an accurate portrayal of the creative process. This is a no. time-consuming thing. So, yeah, I mean, for me anyway. Sometimes you just you self-edit so much to a point where you just feel like you're imploding and people don't understand. People are just like, oh, yeah, there's a song that someone wrote, but they don't understand how long it took you to get there or the emotions mm. behind it. Totally. I think 15 songs is a real achievement and I think it's, I think it's really cool and you should be really proud of that. Thank you so much. I want to ask you a couple of really quick fire questions. Is that okay? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Do you think about time signature when you're sitting down to write a song? Yes. Is it the first thing you think about? No, it's not the first thing. Okay. First thing I think about is lyrics. Okay, cool. What's the last song you heard that made you want to go write a song? It was an unreleased song by a friend of mine called Maisie Peters. That's beautiful. Friends inspiring friends. She's insanely talented. She sent me the most wicked song um, and I just lost my mind. And I was like, this is why we do 100 sessions. This is why we do all the work. (laughs) Like I just had this like real, like, (laughs) yeah, it was amazing. Start recording my vocals into GarageBand immediately. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do you get stage fright? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say stage fright. I get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with it? What do you do? Uh, deep breathing, uh, really awkwardly like wandering around before I have to go on stage, just kind of like yeah. uh, just keeping moving and not sitting still and just like dwelling on stuff. Um, not kind of eating something really stupid like curry oh, yeah. or something dumb before singing ever. And Everyone's made that mistake at least a few times. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, oh, my God. Um, um, <laughs> so do you think that um, when you play piano or guitar, you write different songs or different chord patterns depending on which instrument you're playing? Yes, I Like do. do you fall into the same patterns? Yeah, absolutely. I will write different kinds of songs when I'm not playing an instrument and someone is, like, creating a track totally different songs yeah 
Um, I had this really funny conversation with my husband yesterday about opening lines in songs. Oh, really? And so I was reading some of yours and my favourite one of yours is um, my house is a hotel room in the inner city of a place I don't know well and I just, I love that as an opening line because it really sets a scene. Thank you. Can you think of a opening line in a song I'm really putting you on the spot here but can you think of a, a an opening line that you love in a song that you love uh so many um I really love have you listened to like the new Taylor Swift records like the folklore and the I, you know records? what I haven't I have not listened to it and I feel like I should you should <laughs> I promise thing. I will. I just haven't got around to it yet. That's okay. It's a real, like, yeah, you have to schedule time to do it. So it's totally understandable. Um, there's a song on there called The Last Great American Dynasty on Folklore, the third track, I think. Um, and the opening line is Rebecca rode up on the afternoon train. It was sunny. And her, the salt box house on the cliffs took her mind off St. Louis. Like, oh, it's this wow. really descriptive, yeah, like, it's a very storytelling beautiful song but yeah Rebecca wrote up on the afternoon train it was sunny I think like when I heard that for the first time I was like oh my gosh she's not done this she has written like as in like a positive not this yeah. way the mean yeah, yeah. Like, she she's not done this um like, <laughs> how dare you <laughs> like a like a picture story book old-fashioned movie version of a record like oh finally and I've I've just I mean she's always been such an incredible storyteller but I feel like with Mm. those records it's just amplified by a billion and I was like oh my gosh there are other characters in this what I was so excited for the journey that we were embarking on okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pay special attention to that song when I listen to it I think one of my favourite opening lines in a song is I was dreaming when I wrote this, forgive me if it goes astray, um, from Mm. Prince. Uh, Yeah. My husband's favourite is um, she was underwhelmed, if that's a word. I know it's not because I looked it up. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's so good. Have you listened to Blake Mills? Yeah. Yeah, he has a lot of lyrics that are kind of like that, you know, just yep. like these really conversational, like I never tell her when she plays a song I've never heard because I always learn the music and forget the words. Like, yes, you that's know, good. Oh, I my love God. it. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I love she was <laughs> underwhelmed. I think underwhelmed is a word now. It might yes, have been added to the dictionary. <laughs> but at the time so in the, in the uh, you know, mid 90s or whenever that, it was by this a Canadian band called Sloan that, I was obsessed with when I was in high school. I am going to ask you my last question, which is the question that I ask everybody. What is your strangest show experience or the strangest thing that's happened to you because you're a musician? Okay. Um, strangest, I, th- I think I have to go with strangest show experience. Um, it was. It's relevant to this tour that I've mentioned a few times with Japanese wallpaper. We were sound checking and we were in Western Australia um, and <laughs> this back room, like there was the band, there was the main room for the for the stage and everything. And then there was a back room that had a TV in it where people were like drinking because there was also like a pub or a venue or whatever. Anyway, long story short, we were sound checking and people were watching the football in this other room. And so, you know, when you sound check drums, the room is just sound checking drums. It's very loud and consuming and everything. And like 
I don't know, the venue had like stuffed it up with the timing or something or these people were just being annoying or, and had been told and decided to be, look, basically what happened was <laughs> as we were sound checking, <laughs> these people just start yelling. They were so mad that we were interrupting them watching I the football. Know. And it was like, well, we can't really do anything <laughs> about this. Like we can't move the stage. Like this is just what's yeah. happening. And they were so upset and then we went onto the venue's Facebook page and they had put up this, someone had put up this really aggressive Facebook post that was just like, we couldn't even watch the football players final speech, but it was like final speak. That was how they'd spelt it. (laughs) Hilarious. Um, Because the band was sound checking. And then at the venue, they were like, you suck and you are dead to me. And it was just like something that we said throughout the rest of the tour. They were so upset. Anyway, it was just a lot of like, really pissed off drunken people like yelling because they were so upset that we were interrupting the game <laughs> because we were sound checking. So that was like an experience that I yeah, felt like. Yeah, totally. I've had a similar <laughs> experience where um, when the Olympics were on and we were playing in Byron Bay and w- when we went on stage they had to turn the TV off. I guess that was like oh, a rule, like yeah, turn yeah, the TV yeah. off when and everyone booed. <laughs> No one likes us. They just want the television. Like, you can go home and watch the television <laughs> there. This is the one spot we can actually play at a venue for music. So, I was oh, right. It was so, de- like, deflating. We were like, we're just about to go on. Oh, everyone's booing. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, like, they hyped you up there. Oh, they really, dear. That's, that, look, they're really humbling experiences, I think when that happens and then it's just like, hmm, I don't know if the people actually care that we're about to play a show. Isn't that yeah. sad? We've spent so oh, much yeah. money. <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know, you've got to start somewhere and I think those things make you stronger and they turn you into the person that you are and even if they suck at the time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I I cherish all of those moments, good or bad. Like I just, moments that just feel so ridiculous or like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? Yeah. Greta, (laughs) it was so lovely to talk to you. And um, I really hope that you connect with a massive audience for your album. I hope it goes well for you. Thank you um, so much. You're the first person I've gotten to speak about it with. (gasps) I'm so excited. I don't know when this is going to come out. We'll have to see. Um, It's my birthday this week, so we'll see. What day? Friday. Mine's Saturday. (laughs) Aww, happy birthday. (laughs) You too, babe. Oh, my gosh, what a great time. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yay. Hey, so, so lovely to to meet you via Zoom. Yeah, um, you too. And I hope our paths cross again one day soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.